Today, we're continuing the series, Hope for the Brokenhearted. And last week, we began the series by asking a question of you. Who in your life has disappointed you? Who has hurt you? Who has caused the possibility of bitterness and the possibility of resentment to settle in your own heart? And so last week, we looked at the whole idea of the disappointment of hurt. And today, we're looking at the forgiveness of hurt. So if you will, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. There's no better person to, to look into the whole idea of forgiveness, no better person than looking at Jesus himself. And, in, and what we're about to look at is this whole idea that we read in God's Word that we are to love our enemies. We're to turn the other cheek. We are to bless those who curse us. Now, what's interesting about that is Jesus gave this insight there at the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount was one of those sermons that many have said is the greatest sermon that was ever preached. And Jesus hit these topics when he said, love your enemies, turn the other cheek, bless those who curse you. None of this is possible without forgiveness. But why is it so difficult? C.S. Lewis once said this, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. And that's so true. I mean, we get up and we talk about the heart of forgiveness and we talk about how we should forgive one another and that's out there. And, and, and it sounds so lovely. It's a beautiful thought until hurt comes until disappointment comes into our lives. So look at the introduction on your outline, if you will. Reasons you don't forgive. And the first one is they don't deserve it. The person who's offended you, the person who's hurt you, they don't deserve to be forgiven. A second possibility is they've not suffered enough. Somehow we think if we withhold forgiveness and that person is suffering the whole time, we're not offering the forgiveness. And then, of course, if we forgive, we think it makes us vulnerable. We think we are opening ourselves up to possibly be hurt again. And, and there's a possibility that could, hurt, that could happen. But the thing that we need to realize is that God expects us to reach beyond these hurdles into the area of forgiveness. Now, the first thing I want to show you this morning is what is forgiveness not? What is it not? First of all, it's not conditional based on the offender's actions. In other words, the forgiveness you grant is not based on someone else's response. Real forgiveness is unconditional. It's not earned. It's not deserved. It's not paid for. If you say something like this, I'll forgive you if that's not true forgiveness. That's, that's not biblical forgiveness. That's not what Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. That's called bargaining. Genuine forgiveness is unconditional. Secondly, forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. Let's face it, those who have hurt us, uh, and most of the time the people who hurt us the most are those who are closest to us. We need to realize that we're not minimizing what they did. We're, and you can't minimize it. I mean, you've been hurt. We have to face it. It's one of those things that's out there. We have to accept it. We can't deny the pain that we felt. Next, forgiveness is not resuming a relationship without changes. 
So many times I've heard people say, well, I'm not willing to forgive. I'm not willing to welcome that person back in my life. And, and because it was so unhealthy to begin with, I mean, there was manipulation. There was types of abuse that was going on. We're not talking about restoring relationships here. We're talking about the fact that, that forgiveness needs to be granted. And, and so many times we lose sight because we think forgiveness is nothing that more, that's not hurting us. For unforgiveness hurts. It hurts you, the one who's been offended. And the thing that we need to realize is we're not working necessarily to restore a relationship. What we're doing is we're working on something that doesn't have control of us. And that's the bitterness and resentment that we may feel when someone hurts us. Lastly, forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. We've all heard the cliche, forgive and forget. Sounds good. It's just not possible. So many people say, you know, when I forget, when, when I can't remember what they did to me, then, then, then I'll forgive. That's not possible. We're always going to remember. Matter of fact, it's probably going to be one of those things in your life. You, you, how many of you have those events in your life that you don't think you'll ever get over? Yeah, the fact you've been hurt and you've been hurt deeply by someone. Listen, that's one of those moments that you'll never forget. You'll remember the emotions. You'll remember the pain. But we need to understand that forgiveness can still be brought even though we can't forget. And we're called on that. The Bible talks about letting go of the pain and the hurt. Letting go of the resentment, the bitterness and not holding on. But that's not forgetting. As I said, the more painful, the more likely you are to remember it. The key to dealing with hurt is learning to see. And some of you may say, yeah, that's good Bible talk, but it's not realistic. Yeah, it is realistic. But the key to, to getting and moving through the hurt is looking through the lens of grace, looking through the lens of God's sovereignty. Here's what we need to understand this morning. Nothing touches your life apart from God allowing it to touch your life. He, not, he may not necessarily cause it, but he definitely let it touch your life. And so for some of us, forgiveness may have to begin by forgiving him. And you may say, well, what are you talking about? Forgiving God? Yes, some of you harbor unforgiveness towards God himself. And the thing we need to realize is that when we look at this whole idea that we're going to remember. And when we look to this lens of grace and we look through the lens of God's sovereignty, we also need to look through the lens of how God can turn even bad things in our lives to those things that are good. We are reminded of this in Romans 8, 28. This is a very familiar verse. I think many of us have probably quoted it. And if we haven't quoted it the right way, we've kind of made up our own way in which we think of this verse. It says, and we know that all things, all things include what? Hurt, disappointment, being offended, all those things. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. The key to this verse is called according to his purpose. When you go look at Joseph of the Old Testament, which we're going to really look at his life next week, here's what you'll find. Joseph is sitting there. You remember the story across from his brothers. They don't know who he is, but he's sitting there. And then all of a sudden he reveals who he is. And he says, you know something? What you did to me, he could have easily said was very painful. But I'm here to tell you that that evil that you intended against me, God made it good. He turned something good into it. And God can do the exact same thing through your pain here today. He can help you. So, what is forgiveness? 
Forgiveness is relinquishing the right to get even. This is the heart of real forgiveness, that you don't seek revenge. In Romans 12, 19, the message, this is the translation. It says, don't insist on getting evil. That's not for you to do. God says, I'll do the judging. I'll take care of it. As it pertains to life, you will be hurt. It's a fact of life. One of the most important life skills that we need to learn is knowing how to deal with disappointment, knowing how to deal with hurt, no matter what they've done to you. Knowing how to deal with it. A L.A. Times article some years ago said this. Don't get mad, get even. It's just a phone call away. And it's speaking of a new business that started telling someone to drop dead. Easy and anonymous. Basically, you can send, you can send $25 flowers to someone. And, of course, the flowers are dead. But you can send those to someone. You can eat, get even by sending them cow chips. How many of you know what a cow chip is? You know, you know what I'm talking about? We're talking dung here. We're talking something that doesn't smell too good, all right? You can literally send that to someone. 1-800-COW-CHIP used to be the number. There are even books on the subject. Getting even, giving, getting even, techniques of revenge and harassment. Another book is entitled Make Them Pay. Only one problem with this kind of stuff. Listen, it may make you feel good for a little bit, but it never works permanently. There's always something there. There's always something there that gets at you. So revenge rele never releases the resentment. Even after you've gotten revenge, you're still full of resentment. There's only one antidote to resentment, to getting over hurt. And you know what God says about it? He says it's called forgiveness. Forgiveness. Next, forgiveness is responding to evil with good. In Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and 28, look here on the screen. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. You know, when you read something like that, it's almost like, are you, it's kind of like, are you kidding me? How do you do that? How do, how do you let someone use you spitefully and not be hurt? Yeah, you're going to be hurt, but how do you deal with the hurt? Some of you have gone through some extreme pain in your life. You've led a relationship, someone that you were very close to. You opened your heart to that person, and they let you down. They've betrayed you. They've offended you in great ways. And you look at a verse like this, and you say, yeah, right. But look at the three verbs in the verse. He says, do good. He says, bless. And he says, pray for. All in the context of someone who has hurt you. How do you do that? How does that even happen? This is the part of forgiveness, that you can return good for evil. You may say, I cannot pray for them, have compassion for them. You don't know how they've hurt me. But you know something? Kevin, you got to get on with your life, buddy. You got to let it go. You got to forgive. Next, forgiveness is repeating the process as long as necessary. Many have asked, how, do I, how, how often do I have to forgive? How often do I keep releasing my right to get even? How often do I keep blessing them who do evil towards me? Well, look at Matthew chapter 18. Look at verse 21. I think most of us love this guy named Peter. You remember Peter? He always seemed to ask the question we wanted to know. 
or he always got in trouble in places we would probably get in trouble in the same way. And Peter is there, and he's there with Jesus, and Jesus is talking about the context of forgiveness. And then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? How often do I forgive? Up to seven times? Seven times, Lord? Do I give him seven chances? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And so many times we read this verse and we think, okay, so 490 times, you get 490 times, and then I'm coming after you. Jesus said it was okay. No. By the time you get to 490, believe me, you've taken on a different approach with that person. Lastly, forgiveness is remembering that you've been forgiven, that you've been forgiven. In Colossians chapter three, look here at the verse. It says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against you, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. Let me ask you a, a simple question. If you believe that all sin that you commit is directed to Christ, and then you realize that, that he took upon that sin that you committed, nailed it to a cross, through his death, burial, and resurrection. If you believe that's what sent him to the cross, let me ask you a question. Is there any more pain than what we've done to him? Have you ever thought of that? And then you look at what other people have done to you. And you know, I'm not making light of what's happened to you. Some, some people, I, I, I can't get over how... They have forgiven for certain things that they've done. And I'm sitting here wondering, could I forgive a person who's done what they, that's happened to them? And, and I look at it, and I'm perplexed, and I'm amazed, but I also understand how grace works in a person's life. And I understand how someone who gets a hold of the heart of God in their prayer time, in their quiet time, and how the Holy Spirit can speak to that person and say, you know something? Here's how we can get through this. I know it works. I've seen it work. Colossians 2, 13 and 14, look at this. He says, and you being dead in your trespasses, you and your sin who could do nothing about it, you, that person, he has made you alive with him, having forgiven what? All your trespasses, all of it. It's all been forgiven. Everything you've ever done that offended God, that broke the heart of God, that hurt him, that brought disappointment to him through your life, all those things. And it says, having been wiped out, the handwriting of requirements, those were charges against us. And Jesus, what he was doing on the cross, said, you know something? These will no longer be held against you. No longer. Wow. That's supernatural. And that's the kind of thing we're talking about when it comes to forgiveness. He says, having been wiped out the handwriting requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he's taken it out of the way, having what? Nailed it to the cross. It's been taken care of. And so it's one of those things, you've been forgiven. How dare the fact you can't forgive another person? And again, you may be sitting here saying, well, wait a second, you don't know. I, I look at someone like you. I, I can't imagine you've been hurt like I've been hurt. I think you'd be amazed at the ways in which probably most of us have been hurt in this room. 
If we came and we lined up people on this stage and we interviewed them and said, okay, tell us how you've been hurt in your your past. I think we would be appalled at how some people have been hurt in this room. And I'm here to tell you that some of you have had great success in your life when it's come to dealing with the hurt. It may have taken some time. It may have taken years. But yes, guess what? God saw you through. And you're on the other side of it. And the enemy is not holding that on you any longer because you've worked through that. But there's some of you, let's face it, you've been dealing with this for years. The pain that happened to you 20 years ago is just as real today. And you've never made any progress. And you're still holding on. And you know that it's just tearing you apart. How can I forgive when I feel I cannot forgive? Look on your outline. First of all, realize forgiveness is supernatural. It's not natural. Supernatural. Hold your place here in Matthew 18. And turn over a couple pages of Matthew chapter 7. I want to show you something. As you turn, I want you to think about this. How many of you have been amazed at the forgiveness that you've seen and through other people? Do you remember the Charleston shooting on that night? They were having prayer meeting, and the young man walked into the church. You remember this some years ago? The young man walked into the church, and, and the people there who gathered there, did, I don't know if you know the whole story. Did you know they brought him in and prayed over him? Only for him to turn on them and begin to shoot and kill many of the people sitting in that room. And of course, he was taken away and is arrested. And people, you know what? They forgave. They forgave. And I was blown away by that. I mean, some of these people lost loved ones. Some of these people lost people they cared deeply for. These people were the ones who prayed over him just moments before he took their lives. How do you work through something like that? It's supernatural. Listen, if you're going to live a life that follows God's direction and brings you blessings from him, you need to realize that forgiveness is a difficult process and few people actually ever get there. Matter of fact, the whole Christian life is one of these things in which Jesus said himself, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And what he's saying is there are those out there who are taking the broad way. They're not living the, the, the Christ way. And there's so many, and it's leading to destruction. Look what he says, Matthew chapter 7. Again, Sermon on the Mount, verse 13. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who live their lives by it. There are many who, who, who live in such a way that it's the broad way that everybody's living. Some people would say, oh, he's talking about salvation. He's talking about heaven and hell. Yeah, he could easily be talking about that. But he's also talking about the life in which we live now. And there's so many people on the destructive path. Some of it's due to sin. Some of it's due to the fact they just don't do it Jesus' way. And Jesus said this, look, he continues, he said, he says, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. There are few who find the way to forgive. There are few who find the way to overcome their sin. And he's basically saying, yeah, continue the path of destruction. There's many going that way. But there are those who stand out, those who are committed to Christ, those who do it Jesus' way, who have found the way, the key to life. And in this context today, It's the whole idea of forgiveness. It takes bravery, courage, and discipline to live the narrow life. 
Oswald Chambers says this, it takes a tremendous amount of discipline to live the worthy and excellent life of a disciple of Jesus. Next, how can I forgive when I cannot forgive? Realize forgiveness is a process, not an act. It's a process. Y'all, we're going to get to the point, many of us know the, the grieving process. You, you know what I'm talking about? If you've lost someone, you know what I'm talking about. You may not know the term, but you've been through the process. Did you know that when you're hurt, there's a measure of grief? Did you know that when you, you go through the process? You do. You go through anger. You're never intended to stay in the process. You're intended to move through the process. But some people, and, and listen, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. Very seldom does it happen overnight. There is this process. But when you get hung up, when you're resentful, when you're holding on and, and you get stuck, guess what? That's a dangerous place to be. You will never live the life you, God intended you to live being stuck in your grief, in your hurt, in your disappointment. It's a process. It's not an act. Next, realize forgiveness is a command not a suggestion. As I said last week, all of God's commands, listen to it. If you, listen to this. I, I used to tell teenagers this all the time. And they look at me perplexed, but it's so true. Every one of God's commands, listen, are intended to protect you and provide for you. Every one of them. Look at them. Every one of them do. And again, the, the, the idea to forgive. Realize unforgiveness is based on a lie not truth. Why would someone intentionally live a lie? How can people be so deceived to think that holding on to unforgiveness is a good thing? Here's why. Because the enemy wants you to be deceived in your pain. As long as you can be deceived in your pain and withhold forgiveness and build the bitterness in your life and build the resentment in your life, listen, the more control and the more influence you give the enemy... I'm here to tell you that's the way it works. You're allow, allowing him to have a stronghold in your life. Ephesians 4 says this, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, on your anger. How many of you heard that before? Yeah, you've heard that before. And then right after that, it says something along these lines, giving place to the devil. That means you're giving him something. You're giving him influence in your life. And guess what? You may say, I only have bitterness towards this one person. It's just directed towards this one person. The other people in my life, it's not hurting them. Oh, yes, it is. It does. Let me tell you about unforgiveness. Let me tell you about not dealing with hurt in a proper way. It's like a cancer, and it spreads into other relationships. It spreads. It must be dealt with. So what is God's viewpoint of forgiveness? It's the supernatural work of the cross. Listen to this. Jesus, while suspended between heaven and hell on a cross, here's what he said. You know it. Father, forgive them what? For they know not what they do. The intent that Jesus is talking about when he said, for they know not what they do, was an extension of compassion upon those. Listen, that drove the nails through his palms and his feet, that put the spear in his side. That, 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 that basically he could have easily been talking to us. They do not understand the gravity of their sin. They don't understand the gravity of unforgiveness. They don't understand all that. God, Father, forgive them. I am here and I am in place. When he stretched out on that cross to say, I'll deal with that for them. And as a result, 
what we have to do is identify with what he was doing by doing it God's way. Father, do not put their sin on their account. Again, we must ask ourselves, that forgiveness, listen, is not natural, it's supernatural. And so look on your outline, forgiveness, it brings you face to face with grace. And what I mean by that, by receiving grace. In Matthew chapter 18, look at verse 23. He continues the conversation about the idea of forgiveness. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That's a lot, by the way. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment may be made. Verse 26, the servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. Let me just tell you about the amount we're going to look at in a little bit. There is no way he could have paid that debt back. No way. And he's begging for mercy. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion released him and forgave him the debt. And by the way, a debt he could not ever pay back in a lifetime. Next, we see forgiveness brings you face-to-face with grace, not only by receiving grace, but also by giving grace. Giving grace. Look at verse 28 of Matthew 18. But that same servant who was forgiven went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 denarii. Just over three months, listen, this person could have paid back the debt. Just over three months, we can tell. And he laid hands on him. He wasn't praying over him. Look at the next statement. He grabs him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. This is the same person who just received forgiveness for a debt he could never pay back. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Just as we receive grace, we are expected to give grace. Next, forgiveness views the offender as an instrument in God's hands. Jesus, listen, could have become very bitter over the fact that he had to go to the cross on our behalf. But he didn't. He freely went. Some of you are sitting here today thinking, well, he was the God man. Come on, give me a break. He was God. He was this. Have you really looked at the Garden of Gethsemane just before everything started happening? He was in the garden begging, begging and pleading with the Father. Is there any way we can do this another way? Is there any way, Father, we can, we, can, we can do something else than what I've got to go through in the next coming days? What, what would be so bad about the next coming days? Well, some of us, as we saw on Easter or maybe the week before, some of us would say, oh, my goodness, I can't imagine nails going through my wrists. I can't imagine nails going through my feet, a spear in my... I can't imagine any of that. That's not why he was in the garden sweating blood, basically, and at the point of exhaustion, grieving and, and begging to God to not let it happen this way. Here's the way it was over. All the sin, our sin, would be placed upon him. Someone who was always for eternity holy and pure and innocent. Innocence would become guilt. 
All of it would be placed on him. And if it wasn't bad enough, with it all placed on him, God the Father would have to punish that sin, and it would be on him. You see, when Jesus was there and he was saying, can there be another way? Uh, Lord, let's do it a different way. He was not only talking about what he would endure, but what the Father would be forced to do to him. Do you get the picture? Do you see how serious the matter is? And then Jesus said what? Not my will, but your will. Father, if you say it has to happen, it's got to happen. You know, Jesus could have easily become bitter and said, nope, that's not my sin. (laughs) That's their sin. But he didn't. He didn't. Next, forgiveness recognizes that bitterness is not a right. In Matthew chapter 18, look at verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told the master all that had taken place. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly father, listen, also will do to you and each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother's trespass. Now, would you say that's pretty serious the way Jesus taught this? Very serious. It is a serious matter when we don't forgive those who've offended us, who's caused us pain. Because what we're doing is we're making a mockery of the grace that we've received when we don't. And he says the same grace you received I want you to give. Notice the amounts in verse 24. It says he owed him 10,000 talents. Verse 28, the other owed 100 denarii. 10,000 talents, listen to this, would equal 60 million denarii. 100 denarii versus 60 million. One denarii, best we can tell, equals one day's wage. 10,000 talents would equal working every day a little over 164,000 years of work. Could it ever be paid? Never could it be paid. What Jesus did on your behalf, you could never pay him back enough. What he took on for you to give you eternity in heaven. Next, forgiveness brings the wounds and the needs of the offender in focus. You see, when it comes to our, the fact that we've been hurt, when it comes to us being offended, when it comes to us not willing to forgive, here's what we need to understand. Jesus saw the big picture when it came to this whole idea of forgiveness. And we need to see the, the same picture, the big picture. You see, so many of us, we don't realize that God can use the forgiveness that we're supposed to grant another person. He can use that to touch eternity. How many times have we been amazed at the forgiveness that people have extended in other people's lives? The church in Charleston, I don't know about you, but I was touched. And if I were were there in that situation, I went and shot up the place of those who prayed over me, then I turned on them. That would touch me. I don't care how hard of heart you are. And the thing that we need to understand is God can use the needs And by by the way, what's the greatest need an individual has? Listen, that their sins be forgiven. That's the greatest need they have. And if we can use the pain and the torture that we've gone through because of what they put into our lives, and we can grant grace, then guess what? We stand the risk of possibly bringing them to salvation. And their sins be forgiven. 
Which leads us to this. Forgiveness allows God to use the offended in the offender's life. Look at Matthew 18, verse 33. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I have had pity and compassion on you? A way to reach out to someone eternally is to forgive them. To forgive them. I want to close or begin to close with this story. In the 1919 massacre of the Armenian people, By the neighboring Turks, over a million people were murdered. Many stories of intense suffering and tragedy are all that remain as memories. Among them stand the account of of an unbelievable courage. A military unit attacked a village of Armenian, Armenian Christians, killing all the males and taking the young women as hostages. An officer raiding a home shot the parents, and gave the daughters to his soldiers, but kept the beautiful oldest daughter for himself. For months, he abused her until he found another who pleased him more. At last, she was pushed out of the house, and she escaped the military camp and slowly began to rebuild her life upon completing training as a nurse. One night, while on duty at a Turkish hospital, she was caring for a desperately ill patient in intensive care. When she recognized the face behind the bandages and tubes, it was her former captor and abuser and the murderer of her parents. He was comatose, and without constant care, he would not survive. One day, as he is awaking to the reality around him, the Turkish doctor said to him, you are a very blessed man. Had it not been for this, the devoted care of this one nurse who watched over you, you would be dead. The officer then looked up at the nurse and said, have we met before? Yes, we have, she replied. After realizing who she was, the officer said, why didn't you just let me die? You had every right to let me die. Why didn't you? Well, no, she replied, because I am a follower of him who says, love your enemies and bless those who curse you. What a testimony. What a testimony. What a powerful story. And your story can be just as powerful. There's nothing powerful about living in bitterness. There's nothing powerful about holding something against another person. There's nothing powerful about living in resentment and just dying on the inside, which that's what's going on if you haven't extended forgiveness to those who've hurt you. It's time to move on. It's time to extend the grace that you so freely have received. So how do we do this? I really want you to take this time very seriously. If you have the outline, look at it right there in front of you. I want you to look on this. Look at the application. First of all, you don't have to fill it in, but I want you to think about who has hurt you? Identify the person. Who's hurt you? Was it a parent? Was it a brother, a sister? Someone that you put your trust in? Number two, how does it make you feel? Identify the pain. 
Not only identify the person, identify the pain. Come face to face with the pain. Quit trying to stuff it somewhere. Look at it. Look at it for what it is. It was painful. It caused great hardship in your life. Identify it. And then, what is your natural inclination against what's been done to you? You know what that literally means? Identify the lie. What kind of lie are you believing about the pain that you've endured? For some of you, you think you have a right to hold on to it. For others of you, you're sitting there thinking, well, I'll tell you one thing. I, I won't let it happen to me again. As long as I can hold this, I can remain strong enough to see it never happens again. Not necessarily. And then fourthly, what does God's word say? Identify with the truth. So how are we going to do this? How does that, how, what does, practically, what does that even look like? We're going to exchange. Why don't you look at it here on the screen? We're going to exchange the lie for the truth. And then we're going to take the darkness for the light, exchange it. And then the disease for the healing. The feeling for the faith. The bondage for the freedom. You may look at that. I don't know if you could have sat up here the whole time, but he did. He gets to do it again here in a minute. But y'all, this is a beautiful picture of what can take place in your own heart. This is the kind of work that God wants to do in your heart. It's time to stop believing the lies that the enemy has fed you. And it's time to be released. It's time to, be, to trust in the grace that's been extended to you and give the grace to others. I want to invite you to stand to your feet, if you will, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Father, we come to you right now, and we just thank you for what you've done here today, Lord, in our lives. Father, I thank you for the picture that we've just seen. And, and Father, we just know that, Lord, only you can do miracles. And Father, we're trusting in a miracle here today. We're trusting in that person who walked in here with the hurt, the disappointment, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the resentment. And Father, we're trusting that that can be dropped. That just as easily as we saw these chains fall, Father, we can feel those same chains that tie us up in our soul, that tie us up in our bitterness. The Lord, that we can leave here today as free people. Lord, no longer bound by the hurt. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that somehow we'll understand that there's a, there's a purpose for what may have entered into our lives some years ago, the pain that came in. And right now, maybe we need to start with just forgiving you for allowing it to come. And Father, I pray for that person here, Lord, that they will realize that you have great plans, you have a great purpose for what they've been carrying and Lord, but Lord, they've been carrying it the wrong way. Lord, help them to release it here today. Help them to say on this day, 
April 15th, 2018, is when I laid it down. And it no longer had a hold on me. Because the grace that I received, I gave. And I walked out free. Father, I pray that be our testimony here today. Father, I pray if there's someone here in this service, Lord, that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, help them to realize that, first of all, they need to receive the grace we're talking about. And by receiving that grace, Lord, that that they can turn from their sin and turn to you and believe what you've done on the cross for them. And, Father, that that sin that they they fall easily into, Lord, has been crucified. The, 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 The payment for the sin has been taken care of by you if they turn from their sin. And turn to you. But Father, I know, Father, there's probably Christians here today. Those who have professed you as our Lord and Savior. Those who have freely received that grace. Who have never given what they've received. Lord, if they need someone to pray with, get around this altar. Lord, I pray today will be the day that they can look back and say, that's when it happened. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're getting ready to sing a hymn of invitation.